Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Praise God. There's no one else like Jesus. You can be seated this morning. We appreciate all of you. And I'm so glad I taught Omar how to sing. No, that's not true. <laughs> At an early age, you know, I was training him. No, I don't believe that. But we're glad you're here today. We're excited about what God's doing and looking forward to uh, what the Lord is going to speak to us today. And we've been on a new series called Born Identity. How many have enjoyed the series so far, Born Identity? In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the right place at the right time right now. I honestly believe that today and... Uh, uh, we've been talking about uh, a born identity, and we kind of took the theme off of the uh, movie Born Identity. Most of you have probably seen it. If you haven't, uh, it's this guy that's uh, fine. He gets amnesia. His name is Jason Bourne, and he discovers that his name is not Jason Bourne, but it's actually David Webb, and uh, that's uh, an alias name. And now he wants to establish a new identity. He doesn't want to be who he became and so he wants to establish a new identity and I believe God can do that in our lives and I'm going to read a verse of scripture been kind of the theme scripture here out of Psalm 139 and all of us are familiar with it it says I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works my soul knows it very well when my bones were being formed carefully uh, carefully you put together you put you put together in my mother's womb when I was growing there in secret you knew that I was there you saw me God saw us before I was born the days allotted to me all have been recorded in your book before any of them ever began and there's a, another translation that says you saw me before I was born every day of my life was recorded in your book every moment was laid out before a single day had even passed so god saw you knew you before you were even born in your mother's womb it's a powerful statement when it comes to our identity and who we are so let's pray as we dive into this message father we thank you for the word of god we thank you that your word is true that your word is relevant even in 2022 that it applies to our lives that god every day the word of god is something that we can learn from that we can learn from that instruction and not have to go through experience but help us to learn from the word of god uh, to be transformed by your power lord i pray for the anointing of the holy spirit as i declare your word let the people of god receive your word today and let them hear the voice behind the voice in jesus name and everyone said amen amen and amen i want to read you a a funny story and I want you to laugh even if it's not funny just out of courtesy to me that would be really good just go haha I don't know whatever you want to do but anyway this is a story I've read it before hopefully uh, you'll get a still good laugh out of it so there's this army uh, general and his lieutenant they board a passenger train and across from them is this uh, uh, grandmother and her uh, granddaughter who's a young lady and it's a beautiful granddaughter and so the U lieutenant is talking and engaging in conversation all of them are uh, but the lieutenant can't get over how beautiful this young lady is and he's wondering man I wish I could kiss her I wish there would be an opportunity that I can give her a kiss and so there was a moment 
when the train entered into a dark tunnel and two noises were heard. The first one was that of a kiss and the second one was that of a slap. And so when the train came out of the tunnel, everyone had their own outlook as to what happened. And so the first one with the young lady, she assumed while she was very flattered that this young lieutenant kissed her, she was embarrassed that her grandmother slapped him. The grandmother assumed in her mind, I'm disappointed with this lieutenant that he would be so sly as to kiss my granddaughter, but I'm proud that she had the courage to slap him. The general thought, well, what in the world? I can't believe my lieutenant was, uh, was able to kiss this young lady. The only problem is she missed him and slapped me. But the lieutenant was the only one that really knew what happened that day. Because when the dark tunnel, when he came into a dark tunnel, he had the perfect opportunity to kiss the young lady and then turn around and slap the general. <laughs> See, we don't really know what really is happening, right? Until you really know, right? You don't know how things are really working. And many times our perception of how things are aren't really that way. And in fact, in the kingdom of God, in the way God works, many times he works opposite the way you think he should work. And when it comes to our identity and who we are and what God wants us to become, many times he uses things and does things in ways that we would not think it works that way. And here's what the scripture says in Isaiah 55, 8, and I'll give you some explanation of what I'm saying. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So God's ways are completely different. And I believe even when it comes to changing our identity, even when it comes to changing who we are, God works in ways that many times are opposite in the ways that we are thinking many times. We talked about in our first sermon, our DNA, that we were, all of us were born to some kind, into some kind of problem. All of us were born into a family that had some kind of dysfunction. None of us were born into a perfect family. If you think so, you're lying to yourself. There's always some kind of problem in that, in that family. You, you inherited some things in your family that you didn't choose. You inherited some things that uh, basically you had no knowledge of. Maybe you were born into a, a, a social or a family that economically wasn't doing very well. Maybe you were born into a family that things weren't going all that well. Wouldn't it be great if you were born into a family that your dad was uh, Bill Gates? Man, you'd have all the money you want, right? Possible. But a lot of us were born, maybe you were born into a family of alcoholics. Maybe you were born into a family of uh, drug addicts. Maybe you were born into a family with a lot of dysfunction and a very bad environment. And again, maybe you were born into a very poor family, maybe not well off. Maybe you were born in the ghetto or in the hood, uh, in a place where, you know, you didn't choose to be born in that place. But all of us inherited all these things, listen to me, were passed down to us without our permission. Nobody gave you the option before you were born. Nobody gave you the choice. All of these things were passed down to us 
without our opinion or without our choice. In fact, some of our family members that we call family, if they, if, if they weren't family, they wouldn't even be our friends. Am I right? I mean, let's be honest. Some of the, the only reason we hang out with them because they're family. But if we had a choice, the, uh, some of our family members, I, you guys aren't being truthful with me, wouldn't even be friends. Everybody's looking, stand, sitting next to their family. But, oh, no, you'd be my best friend. So every, you're lying. So everyone has the problem that some kind of deficit in life that you did not choose. Some have worse than others. Some are more bad than others. Some are worse uh, and some uh, have a, a worse dysfunction than others. And I even grew up hearing, uh, because I grew up in a neighborhood or in the hood where people always said, I'm a victim of my environment. I'm a victim of where, you know, I grew up. Uh, you know, we're all victims of this uh, uh, negative environment, and it becomes their identity. But a lot of people are so content to live there, and they never change from their adverse situation, and they remain uh, that I, they identify with their circumstances, they identify with their environment, uh, and they're content to be victims of their environment. They're content or comfortable to be victims of where they grew up, and they're satisfied with that kind of identity. But I want to declare to you, are you ready for this? I want to declare to you that God is able to change your past identity by changing your future. Can you say Amen. Because God has the power to transform our life even in the most negative and adverse circumstances that we were born into, that we grew up in, and make it still a blessing and cause us to even be more fruitful. So I want to emphasize the story here about Joseph. If you don't already know, Joseph in the Bible is one of my favorite characters outside of Jesus. Uh, I love the story of Joseph. Uh, it really gives us a definition of divine providence, how the hand of God can be on somebody's life, even in the most adverse situation, and turn it around for a blessing. And if all of us remember, it, Joseph is the young man with the coat of many colors, uh, and he grows up in a family really of a lot of dysfunction. Now, I want to say to you that Joseph represents courage. Joseph represents persistence. Joseph represents productivity. But it also gives us a look that Joseph grows up in a family with a lot of pain, with a lot of trouble, with a lot of rejection and jealousy. The Bible says he, he, he's born in a family that's entangled with all kinds of controversy. In fact, his dad is Jacob. Jacob marries a woman by the name of Rachel because he falls in love with her. But, but his, uh, his father-in-law tricks him. And, uh, and the next morning he wakes up and he finds out he's married to Leah, the older one. And so now he doesn't have just one wife. He has two wives. How many know that's already tough? No, I'm just... I'm just oh, one wife. No, one husband is hard, right? So anyway... Did I say that? But here they are. He's got two wives instead of one. And these two wives are sisters, and they're jealous of each other. And the Bible says to make matters worse that Jacob, the father, loves Rachel more than Leah. 
and he loved Joseph who was born to Rachel more than Leah's son. So there's all kinds of jealousy. There's all kinds of uh, trouble in the family that Joseph is born in. Uh, Joseph has uh, this dream and it causes problems. So I want to say to you, I want to be very honest with you today, your problems and things that have happened to you growing up uh, help shape your identity. You are a product, listen to me, of your traumas and your troubles in life. Whether you like it or not, I'm just going to be honest with you. You are a product of your traumas and your troubles in life. You are a product of a lot of your suffering. You are a product of a lot of your shame, shock, and stress that has happened in your life. You are a product. Your problems have shaped your life. The pressures of your life have shaped you. And I said this earlier in my first message that some of us have been abused, and I'm sorry that you're abused. I'm sorry that any kind of abuse has happened to you, but your abuse has affected your identity. Your abuse, whether it was physical, whether it was emotional, whether it was sexual, I'm sorry, but it has affected your identity. When I speak to people many times, the rejection that they think they're coming from me is actually rejection that they grew up in. And so any kind, any kind of time that I try to confront people or try to bring truth to people, they automatically go back to this rejection and they put it off on me as the pastor. So I understand that, that people that experience rejection ha- have affected their identity. I understand as the pastor that they're not coming against me if things have happened in their life. Major failures that have happened in their life have affected their identity. Major crises that have happened in their life has left scars and has formed their identity. And oftentimes uh, that people go through life uh, trying to understand. I said this earlier in the message uh, that oftentimes we're trying to put meaning to everything that has happened to our life. But you put a false meaning behind what's happened to you. And because of that, you form this story. And you form this narrative, and it becomes your identity. You put a false meaning. You say, this happened to me because I'm a bad person. This happened to me because this is, this is, this is what always happens to me. This is, a, uh, this is my life. And so you put a false meaning to it, and it becomes your narrative, and then it becomes your story, and then it becomes your identity. And believe it or not, Joseph had the same problem. A lot of the things that happened in his life, a lot of the damage, the trauma, the pain begin to shape his identity, begin to form his opinion about himself. But thank God that Joseph was not content to live there. Can you say amen? He did not allow the path to define him. And that's what I want to talk about today. Do not let your past define your identity. Do not allow it to define you and and finally say, that's it. This is who you are. So I want us to look at Joseph's life here. And this is the point in Joseph's life where things have turned around. Things are going better for Joseph. And the Bible says that now that Joseph is now at the right hand of Pharaoh, he is now the prime minister of Egypt. And the Bible says two sons are born to him. And he names them according to the seasons 
in his life. Let me just read this verse of scripture in Genesis chapter 41, verse 50. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, whom Anthena, the, the, the daughter of Potipharia, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name, listen to me, of the firstborn Manasseh. He said, for God, for God, he said, had made me forget all of my troubles in my father's house or all of my father's house. He named the second one Ephraim saying, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. The seven years of abundance that were in the land of Egypt. So listen to what's happening here. Joseph has two sons that are born to him in a very good time in his life. Remember, he's out of the pit, he's out of slavery, he's out of prison, and he's now the prime minister of Egypt. And the Bible says that Joseph has these two sons, and now Joseph is the prime minister. He's going around, he's got the signet ring. He, you know, again, he's, a, he's one of the, he's got the gold chains in the chariot. Don't call me Joseph, call me Jojo the rapper and all that stuff. Cha-ching, 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 all of that, right? There he is, there's Joseph. And so can you imagine now, Joseph is over 30 years old now, and when he first come to Egypt, he was 17, and he was sold as a slave, but now Joseph has these two sons, and this is what Joseph does. This is what a lot of us do. He began to summarize his life the way he perceived it. He gave meaning to what was happening in his life. And he names his two sons because in ancient times, when you named your children, you named them according to the season that you were going through at that moment. And you passed on the names to your children according to the season that was happening in your life. And so the Bible says the first one he names is Manasseh. And it means to cause me to forget my troubles means to be basically to be delivered from the past or the memory of the past or the consequences of the past. So when Joseph named his son Manasseh, he had already been released from prison. And so he's saying, basically, now God has set me free. God has delivered me. And I'm going to name my son Manasseh because it's going to cause me to forget the pain of the past. How many know when you're delivered, you're not only delivered from a habit and addiction, but God delivers you from the pain of the past. Can you say amen? That's why when you give a testimony, you're not giving God glory, or you're not giving the devil glory, you're giving God glory. See, a lot of people say, I don't want to share my testimony because it's glorifying the devil. No, you're actually showing the devil how weak he is because he doesn't have power over your life anymore. God gets the glory. So it's okay to share your testimony. I just want to tell you that, okay? And so he, he's here. He's saying, God has delivered me from my past. God has delivered me from all the pain of the past and the rejection. And the Bible says he names his second son Ephraim, meaning that God is now given me a place of fruitfulness and productivity. In other words, I've been delivered from the past, and now I am walking in the fruitfulness and the blessing of all of this. So I got delivered, and now I am fruitful. Does that make sense? A lot of us, we look at life that way. God delivers me. From all the pain, God delivered me from all of these things. And then now, God causes me 
to be fruitful. Does that make sense to you? Well, God's about to erase everything I just told you. Because many times, God doesn't work that way. A lot of you, they're shocked right now, but I'm going to tell you the truth. We think and we put meaning to things in our life the way we see it, and it becomes your identity. And you don't realize when it comes to kingdom culture, God shifts things around in a way that you have no idea. And I want to show you this story here in Genesis chapter 48. There's a lot of scripture I want to read here, but I want to give you the... the, uh, basically the prep uh, the the preface of the of the scripture here or give you the theme of what i'm going to try to explain to you here in genesis chapter 48 now that joseph has come to he the prime minister he brings his family and they all join him in egypt he gives them land everybody's living there and finally his uh, his uh, father by the name of jacob is getting older and he wants his father to bless his children He wants his father to pray and speak a blessing over his children. So the Bible says Joseph brings his children to uh, his father Jacob to get the blessing before he passes away. And this is what it says in in Genesis 48, verse 1. One day, not long after the word came to Joseph, behold, his father was sick. So Joseph went to him to visit him, and he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. When Jacob heard that Joseph had arrived, he gathered his strength, sat up in bed to greet him. You ever met someone or gone to someone, uh, visited them at a hospital, they're sick, but as soon as they see you, they sit up, all of a sudden they get strengthened. This is Jacob. He gets strengthened in bed, and he goes, and this is what Jacob said, I'm adopting as my own son these two boys of yours, Ephraim and Manasseh which were born here in the land of Egypt before I arrived. Then Jacob looked over the two boys, and he said, Are these your sons? And, he said, and Joseph told him, These are the sons God gave me here in Egypt. And Jacob said, Bring them over to me, and I'm going to bless them. And he said, Now Jacob was half blind, and because of his age, he could hardly see. So Joseph brought the boys close to him, Jacob kissed and embraced him, and Jacob said to Joseph, I never thought I would see you again, but now God has let me see your children. And to, uh, ch- children too, Joseph. So he took the boys from the grandfather's knee, and he bowed loud to him, uh, uh, low to him, and positioned the boy. So Ephraim was at Jacob's left hand, and Manasseh was at uh, 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 Jacob's right hand. So he put them in order, in birth order, so that the right hand of, of Jacob would be over Manasseh, the older one, and the left hand would be over Ephraim. This is significant. I want to show you why. But this is what happens. And so when he bowed low to him, positioned his boy he, uh, at, at Jacob's left hand, Manasseh with his right, but Jacob, the Bible says, crosses his hands. He crosses his hands. Instead of the right hand on the older one, he puts his right hand on the younger one and the left hand on, on, uh, or the right hand on the younger one and the left hand on the older one. But Jacob crossed his hand, reached and laid his hand on the boy so that his right hand was on the left hand, uh, was on the head of Ephraim's head and the younger on the left hand was on the head of Manasseh. The older guiding his hand knowingly for Manasseh was the firstborn and he blessed Joseph and said, uh, and said, God before whom thy 
Father Abraham and Isaac did walk the, the God which I fed all my life unto this day. So let me just, uh, I, don't, I can't read it all, but I want to just say to you that he crosses his hand. I want you to kind of show that pic I had. He crosses his hand and he prays over them. This is what he's doing. He's crossing his hand. I want to tell you why that's significant. Because the Bible says that, Jacob, that uh, Joseph had brought his sons in birth order, thinking that the blessing would go from the older to the younger. And, and then all of a sudden, Jacob changes the sequence. Jacob said, no, the greater blessing is going to be on the younger, and, and, and the other blessing will be on the older one. And he begins to call them, uh, instead of Manasseh uh, and Ephraim, he says, Ephraim and Manasseh. He changes the sequence saying, uh, basically, the older one, listen to me, in, in Old Testament Israel, the right hand was the hand of greater blessing. So whenever someone prayed over you with the right hand, especially over the firstborn, it was double portion. So the right hand, I'm sorry for you left-handed people, but if you had the right hand with the greater blessing that came upon the older, it was passed on to them. And so all of a sudden, Jacob crosses his hand, and the Bible says that Joseph tries to move his hand, if you read the whole chapter there, and, and, and Jacob said no. I know what I'm doing. I may be half blind, but I know what, what's going on here. And there was a spiritual significance behind what he was doing. He was shifting something. He was shifting the way, uh, the way Joseph was thinking. Because Joseph was thinking, basically, the blessing is going to go from Manasseh, that God's going to deliver me first, and then God is going to be, make me fruitful later. And God was setting something spiritually in motion, not only for the children of Israel, but for the people of God. Some of you right now, you're thinking, man, I need to get every, all my problems need to go away before I can be fruitful. Some of us think, man, if I got delivered from every situation in my life, then I could be a blessing. If I had a better job, then I'd give my tithes. If I had a better wife, then I'd do something for God. If I, if I was committed, you know, all these different things, right? We think that we need to be delivered from every problem, every issue, and when we do that, then we can be fruitful. So we have this identity. Our identity is locked in a past, thinking until all my problems go away, until all my issues go away, then I could never be used of God. And God is saying, that is not how I operate. God, they're saying, God's saying, you begin to be fruitful. You begin to be productive in the circumstances that you're in. And then I'll heal you from your path and I'll deliver you from all of your hurts. Somebody say amen. See, many of us today, we're saying, until God does this, until I get a breakthrough, until I get a healing, until I get money, until I get an education, until the government gets involved, until, 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 until all these things happen, then I'm going to be fruitful, then I'm going to be productive. And God is saying, be fruitful first, because fruitfulness precedes deliverance. Can you say amen? And this is why Jacob is crossing his hands today. He's saying that a lot of us are waiting for this deliverance. We're waiting for every problem in our path. I said earlier in this series that we are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of our past. A lot of us are products. Again, uh, many things have helped uh, uh, shape our identity, but we don't have to be prisoners there. 
And oftentimes I talk to people and they're saying, well, pastor, you don't know my childhood. You don't know the pain that I went through. You don't realize where I grew up. And again, I'm not belittling your pain. I'm not belittling or minimizing the hurt that you've gone through. But I'm here to tell you, uh, when I look at Jesus and the pain and the hurt that he went through, uh, he went through the cross uh, and he rose again uh, because in the midst of his pain, uh, he forgave us. Uh, In the midst of his pain, he redeemed us. Can you say amen? He was fruitful even in the midst of his pain. And I can tell you today, there's a lot of us, uh, we're waiting for apologies. We're waiting for someone to apologize to us. We're waiting for people to come and make it right before we can move on. Are you listening to me? See, if Joseph would have waited for that, he would have never got to be the prime minister of Egypt. We're waiting for every mistreatment to be resolved. We're waiting for every hurt to be resolved. And we're looking for all of these things. Can I tell you, you're going to be waiting a long time. Because it's probably never going to happen. Are you hearing me? We're waiting for closure. Did you hear me? We're waiting for closure of things. Let me just say this. I need to say this today. Have there ever been, uh, have you ever read the Bible and, and, and the scriptures kind of stumps you? And you kind of say, man, what does this really mean? And I think it relates here to us. Let me read this scripture to you in Jude chapter 1, verse 9. It has to do with what I'm talking about today. It says, yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil in a dispute, over the body of Moses. Now I begin to think, uh, why is there an argument over the body of Moses when Moses is dead? Why is the devil and Michael the archangel fighting over this body? And what's so significant about Moses' body? Moses died, and all of a sudden the Bible talks about that the devil and Michael the archangel are disputing over a dead body. This guy's gone. Well, when you think about this, you'll find out that when Moses died, the scripture says that he went up to the mountain and God buried him there. In other words, no one knows to this day where the grave of Moses is. They know what valley it's in, but the scripture explicitly says, look at what it says in Deuteronomy 34, then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said, and he buried Moses in Moab in the valley opposite of Beth Peor, but even today, no one knows where the grave is. So to this day, no one knows exactly the grave spot of where Moses is. So what's the problem here? Could it be, listen to me, I'm not saying, I'm not building a doctrine here, but could it be that because they were so caught up in following Moses, the people of Israel, Could it be that if they found out where the body was, they would have never crossed over to the promised land? Could it be that they wanted, God wanted to bury Moses where no one knew, but Satan wanted Moses where everyone knew so that no one would cross over to the Jordan and they would would make a shrine out of that. And and, and so God says, you know, no, I'm not going to give you that. And basically, uh, God says, it's time for you to move on, and there's no closure. See, a lot of us, you're waiting for closure for things that God's not going to give you closure because God said, you don't need closure. You just need to move forward. Did you hear me? See, if we're going to move forward and be productive, 
we're going to always have to understand that we have to be willing to move without closure that we think we need it. Because if you don't, the devil is going to hold you to the past. The devil is going to hold you back. He's going to, it's going to become a trap, just like he knew that this grave of Moses would have became a trap, and people would have went back revisiting it. And I'm here to tell you today, you'll never move into your future today. Your future is calling you, but you're waiting for an apology. Your future is calling you, and yet you're waiting for closure. Your future is calling you today, and you're waiting for all of these things and an explanation. And God said, I'm not going to give you an explanation. A lot of us today, you're waiting for explanations for questions that you have. And God says, I'm not going to give you the answer. The only thing I can tell you today is God says this in the Word of God. It says, all things work together for the good of those that love God. And are called according to his purpose. Many of you are saying, well, I've I've cried. I want to know why I cried in this season. I don't know why you've cried. But I'm here to tell you, you may be weeping. Weeping may endure for the night. But joy comes in the morning. See, a lot of us today, we're wondering why all of these things have happened in my life. You've got to trust that God knows what he's doing. And Joseph had the trust that the Lord knew exactly what was happening in his life. He, see, Joseph was thinking, I have to be delivered first, and then I can be fruitful. I'm here to tell you today, there's times that there's not going to be closure. You're not going to get the apology. Believe it or not, I've buried people that didn't apologize to me. And I had to say good things about them. I had to say good things about that guy. I said, man, this guy, I was waiting for an apology for that guy. But praise God, bless him today. We just love this guy. And that guy, that guy did me wrong. He did all kinds of things, never apologized, but I'm saying great things about him. Maybe God's doing something in my life. Who knows, right? See, I'm not looking for closure. I'm not looking for an apology. A lot of us, we are. And God says, you need to move forward and walk in the identity that I've called you. Can you say amen? A lot of us today, we're wondering what's happening. The Bible said that even Gideon, when he was uh, threshing the weed and hiding it in the wine press, that the Bible says he, he's of the lowest family. He's, of the, he's the farmer of the lowest family. He's, he's the, his, his own life, he's in the lowest family, and he's the low in the family. Talk about the least of the least. And the Bible says he's hiding wheat because the enemy's coming to, to take all of the wheat. And the scripture says while he's doing that, God looks at him or the angel of God says, you mighty man of valor. And you can imagine Gideon said, you talking to me? Who are you talking to? I'm the least of the least. And the Bible says, he goes, go, I'm with you. Now I want you to realize something. That Gideon takes 300 men and defeats 100,000. Okay. How did he do it? He was still a farmer. He was still the least of the least. He was still at the low. Are you hearing me? But somehow he got up and began to be fruitful with the call of God. Are you hearing me? A lot of us today, we're in a place in life and we're waiting for all of these things to come together. I'm just telling you, you're go- you're, the devil is hindering you and you're never going to walk in the identity that he called you to be in. Are you listening to me? 
when I look at David, David and Goliath, uh, again, I, I'm just, I just want to give you some, uh, some illustration here. The Bible said that David is, is just a young shepherd boy, and he goes over and, and he's bringing cheese and bread to his brothers, and he hears that there's this giant there, and this giant is calling out the people of Israel, and he, he asked someone, what will be given to the man that defeats this giant? And they tell him, you know what? You're going to be given wealth, you're gonna be given the king's daughter, and you're gonna be able to live tax-free. Could you imagine what a deal? So this guy's thinking, my goodness. Now, we, he didn't have a pick of the princess, but it didn't matter. He said, you know, at least I get wealth and tax-free. I, I can put up with the way she looks. No. But anyway, he, um, he, he says, yes. Now, before he can get anything, he has to kill a giant. Before he can get any of these things. But remember, he's not a warrior yet. He's not a king. He's just a shepherd boy. He's from a poor family. But he uses what he has. And the Bible says he knows how to use a slingshot. And the scripture says when that giant comes out with full body armor, he's vulnerable because he has one spot that's not covered, and that's his forehead. And we know that David's been out there. He's been practicing with a slingshot, Coke bottles on the fence, and, and been, you know, doing all this stuff. And he's got skilled with this thing. And the Bible says when they go and they confront each other and they're facing each other, David knew he had no intention of doing hand-to-hand -hand combat. He goes, I'm going to get this guy with a slingshot. And sure enough, he had five stones just in case the first one missed. He had four others, one left. But it was just with that first one, he swung it and, and bounced off that rock and that rock off that guy's helmet. How many know that's not what happened? That's not what happened. I'm lying to you. It's not what happened. It hit the guy right in the forehead. Why? Because it was accurate. It wasn't a lucky shot. It was a skilled shot. And I'm here to tell you, until you start being productive and until you start getting skillful with what you have, you're never going to be fruitful because you're waiting for all of these things to come together for you. I'm here to tell you that God's identity is found in your fruitfulness. Can you say amen? Listen to me. Joseph had it all wrong. When you look at his life, he totally had it all wrong. He didn't even realize that he had been fruitful and productive in the midst of his circumstances. Because remember, when he was slow, sold into slavery, he got in a Potiphar's house, and the Bible says when he got there that the Lord was with him, and he began to run the whole house. He began to run the entire estate. Uh, he began to be the, the top steward. Uh, he wasn't worried about uh, social injustice. He wasn't talking about unfairness because he was a slave. Uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? He wasn't saying all of those things. He just began to be uh, fruitful and productive right there as the slave, and he became the top guy. It wasn't until that, you know, that sleazeball, amen, the wife that tried to, you know, go after him, and she accused him falsely, and he ends up in prison. And in prison, what does he do? He's in there, and he begins to be, the, he starts running the prison. In fact, the warden said, just run the whole prison for me. And it's in prison where he's not only having dreams, he's now interpreting dreams. See, he began to be fruitful in his circumstances. He didn't realize that the fruitfulness was in the midst of his pain, in the midst of all that was going on in his life. He didn't realize that God already had made the switch. Can you say amen? 
There are times in our life today that God is working in your life. Stop blaming everyone for all the things that have happened in your life. Stop blaming the church. Stop blaming the leadership. If I had a better church, if I had a better pastor, if I had a better ministry, friend, get fruitful where you're at. Start producing where you're at. Move forward in what you're at, and you'll begin to find that your, your basically your identity will begin to be that of fruitfulness. I've seen so many people in this church that have walked in, and many of them, man, were on Section 8. Many of them were, were jobless. Many of them came from prison, and, all, and, and they came to church, and every issue wasn't resolved in their life. They're still on probation. They still had issues. Uh, you know, they fill that application. Uh, have you, you know, ex-con, all that. And sometimes they never even got jobs. But you know what? They just kept being fruitful. They kept being hustling and hustling and believing God. And God began to open doors. And today, some of them have their own businesses. Today, they got good jobs. Today, they're married. It's, it's amazing. What happened? They refused to allow their identity to be in prison. They didn't allow the path to become a prison in their life. And they said, I'm going to walk in the new identity that Christ has called me. When we begin to walk in that, he'll begin to change everything about you. See, anointing of God comes while you're being productive and not after. Can you say amen? We're often, we're often waiting. When is the anointing? The anointing comes that you're being productive right now. This is exactly what Joseph was doing. He was being productive. He was being fruitful. He was doing everything that he could. God was shaping and molding. Some of that pain. Can I just be honest with you? Don't waste the pain that's happened in your life. I'm hoping that pain has made you more resilient. Some of that pain should make you more resilient, more of a fighter. More of a person, man, I've gone through all of this for a purpose. God has something for my life. I'm not going to let waste that pain. I'm not going to waste that hurt and cause me to go back down and be who I was before. God has a new identity. I'm going to be a new person in Christ. God's going to use it for his glory. Can you say amen? I want us to bow our heads in reverence to the Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you today because you're so good that Lord... Even though we may be products of our past, we are not prisoners of our past. And our past does not hold us back. And our past today does not make our identity stay way back there. But God, as we're fruitful, as we believe you today, as you've opened up doors for us, as you cause us, Lord, even in the midst of our circumstance, in the midst of our pain, even when there's no closure, even when there's things in our life, God, that we don't have answers to. That could it be, God, maybe we don't need those answers. All we need is you. All we need is just trust you, God. That, God, you're going to move us forward, even in the midst of our pain. And our greatest fruitfulness could be in our pain. Our misery can become our ministry. That our greatest fruitfulness could be right now. And it begins to become our identity. The fruitfulness of our life. Man, I'm telling you that I feel this for some of you in this room. That your greatest fruitfulness, your greatest time with God. Your greatest identity could be right now in your greatest pain in your life. I'm just being honest with you. Because over and over I see in the Bible. People in pain. People in 
in affliction, people going through all these things in their life, and yet I see the fruitfulness of God. I see what they become in the midst of their affliction, in the midst of their adverse circumstances. Their greatest moment could be in that time. The Holy Spirit, help us right now. Help us to take on this identity of fruitfulness, of productivity, of greatness, God. Lord, help us to take that identity, even in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our hurt, in the midst of our, Lord, even betrayal and and hurt and rejection. I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, help us to push forward in that. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, you're in this room right now, and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. And before I move on, I want to give you an opportunity to receive the Lord in your life. And I want to say to you that God loves you. And I'm not belittling or minimizing any hurt or pain in your life that you've gone through. I'm just here to tell you that Jesus knows because he, he endured the pain. He endured the hurt, but he forgave. And God's willing to forgive you today because all of us, the Bible says, are sinners. We fall short of the glory of God. There's not one person righteous, not even one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet God is merciful and loving enough to reach us today and love us and forgive us. All you have to do is receive him in your life today. If you've never received Jesus in your life today, raise your hand right now. Say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. I need Jesus in my life right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, would you raise your hand? Who are you right now? They say, that's me. I need, I need the Lord in my life, Pastor. I need Jesus today. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. We'll pray for you today. We'll ask the Lord today to come into your life. We'll, we'll, we'll pray today that God will come and change you. He can. No one can do what God can do. All you have to do is surrender your life to him. Would you raise your hand if you're in this room right now? We don't want to, we don't want to embarrass you. We want to pray for you today. Maybe you're once walking with God, but you're away from God right now, and you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. Just raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. Is there anyone here right now before I change the order of the service? You say, I need the Lord in my life. I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. Just raise your hand right now. Is there anyone at all? I don't want you to leave this room without Jesus. Don't want you to leave this room without the Lord in your life. Why don't we all stand together? I said a lot of stuff, and as quick as I can say it today. But a lot of us today, again, I told you, I'll be honest. We, we are shaped. Our identity comes from our traumas, from our past, things that have happened in our life. And it has affected our identity today. And some of us today, we're waiting for all of these things to be healed. And I'm just going to tell you, you can't wait for all those things. You got to trust God. You got to walk now in your identity. Some things you will not get closure to. I'm just telling you, I'm being honest with you. We've been told a lie that everything has to be resolved before we could ever do anything. That is not true. In scripture, there's no perfect man. There's no perfect woman that God used. You look at the Bible, all these people had issues, man. There's all kinds of dysfunction. And yet in the midst of their dysfunction, God's using them. Joseph, man, grew up in this dysfunctional household. All these problems. Ends up a slave, ends up a prisoner. And yet in the midst of all this, we see this man becoming the man of God. In fact, scholars say that he was the type of Christ. The suffering and the pain that he went through. 
all the different things is really a, a shadow of Jesus. In fact, his name actually derives from the same root name as Jesus. If you look into that, and I mean, I don't want to go deep into that. I just want to just tell you that Joseph is really that example for us to walk in that identity. And I want to pray for you today. Some of us, you're in pain, you're in affliction, you grew up in some bad circumstances, and really some of you, are, you look at that and you say, that's why I can't move forward. No, you can't. You can't move forward. In fact, you need to move forward because this is where your identity is going to begin to kick in. Can you say amen? It's going to begin to kick in. So we're going to worship. I'm going to open the altar today. Don't stay in your seat. I want to pray for you today. We're going to have many people praying. And, and whatever it is, people don't need to know all your issues. You just need to talk to God. But I believe as we come forward, you know, you say you can pray at home. Well, if you can pray at home, you should stood home. Amen. You come to church so we can pray for you. Amen. Yeah, I'll pray at home. Well, then stay at home then if you're going to pray at home. But we come to church to pray here and have people pray for you. So I'm going to open the altar. Listen to Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.